0: Hi, my name is JC
1: and my name is Juan. Welcome to the couch, a podcast where real therapists. Talk about real things.
0: Please remember that we are therapists, but we are not your therapist. And this podcast is intended for educational purposes only.
1: All right, my friends. So today, episode two, numero dos, we are gonna dive into how to start taking care of your mental health. You ready for this JC? I'm very ready for this. It's a good time for like that music that goes dun dun
0: dun dun. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, your sounds yeah. way better than mine. <laughs> 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 well, good. At least one of us is making it work. I got you. How to start taking care of your mental health? You know, where where do you even start with that? Like that's such a big section, a big question.
0: I think you start at the very beginning.
1: A very place to start that's true Maybe you with like what you're looking for
0: yes so when i think of the process of looking for a therapist what that typically looks like for me is figuring out exactly what it is that you want to address so you know maybe putting your concern and then adding the word therapist after it so if you just dealt with infidelity in your relationship, maybe you would say infidelity therapist, or if you're struggling with test anxiety, test anxiety therapist,
1: mm. because
0: nine times out of 10, what that's going to do is lead you to someone local and lead you to like a general overview of the therapist in your area. And I think that's a really helpful starting point.
1: That that is a good starting point, right? Because you're looking, if you, you know, if you're sitting there and you think about the question, how do I start taking care of my mental health? It's important to take that next step of resources. Or that's like that's one of the steps you could take. If the question is how do I start taking care of my mental health, one category is, okay, we gotta find this appropriate provider, this counselor. And I think you're right, you know, searching in that way could be really effective. Um, and let's say we go into that category. I think it's important, you know, really to throw it out there for our listeners. How do they decipher, right? Because, you know, you're in those shoes. You go with somebody that's a psych, somebody with a PhD, somebody that's a licensed uh, social worker, a licensed mental health counselor, licensed family and marriage therapist. Right? It's a lot of credentials.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it is a lot. I like to refer to it as the alphabet soup. Mm. because it's just a bunch of letters to anyone who doesn't know what is going on. And that can lead itself to be like an accessibility barrier because if you don't know what you're looking for, how are you supposed to look for it? Yeah. Some, like, some general ones that you'll probably hear, which this is a disclaimer. We're from North Carolina. So we have a different like acronym for our licensure than other states do, and it's going to vary state to state. So if you're not listening in North Carolina, then some of these acronyms won't apply to you.
1: Correct, and and also you know if you're not listening in North Carolina here in the U.S., what you can do is you know hop online, get on Google wherever you search from, and and look up um, mental health organizations or mental health boards. And you're going to find your area is going to have one. And then that board, like here in North Carolina, um, the North Carolina uh, Board of Licensed Mental Health Counselors, I'm probably butchering it.
0: What Something is it? like that.
1: Yeah. North Carolina Board of Licensed Clinical Mental Health Counselors. I believe that's it. Um, you'll, you'll see a breakdown of all the information, everything from the type of uh, education these professionals have to have, the ongoing education. So that, you know, for you, The person seeking counseling um, support, it gives you an idea of of the background of the professional. Because I I do think it's like a a deer in a headlight where you see all of these credentials. And I feel the same way if I'm going to go see maybe uh, my primary care. And I'm like, what are, you know, this person's got like three business cards they're giving me, where it's just credential Mm -hmm. after credential.
0: And, you know, knowing what you're getting into or knowing what those acronyms mean can also lead you to the right places. Um, You know, the more numbers or the more letters someone has after their title doesn't necessarily make them a more competent clinician, um, especially if they don't specialize in what you need. Correct. And being able to wade through that, it's daunting, but it is well worth the effort
1: Exactly. Yeah. And and as you're doing it, there's a mentality I like to look at and um, advocate if I can, where you're you're shopping around. And I mean that in that exact way. You know, it's like if you're going to go out and get a pair of jeans, you may end up shopping and then bringing them home. And you're like, you know what, they just don't fit right. And then you're looking for another one. And that could be four or five stores until you find these jeans that you really, really like. Um, You know, I, I see my wife do that. And I'm like, you know, keep looking. Those genes are out there for you. Believe. Ted Lasso, (laughs) believe that they are. (laughs) Believe Um,
0: that the genes are there for you.
1: And for, you know, when we're looking for a counselor, it can be daunting. It can be exhausting, especially when you got to tell the person that, you know, your story again and again. So I feel for you. And it'd be nice if there was a a different avenue. But I think that's that's an essential part of the process, that you may sit down with someone and they have the credentials, they got the title, they went through school, and it just may not be a good fit. So then it's shopping until you find another good fit. Maybe you and I, JC, we could spend some time right here when we're looking at how to take care of your mental health, providing some education on what makes a counselor a good counselor without you and I getting in trouble.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Let's add the caveat. These are things that we would potentially... In a therapist um, for myself. I have gone on my own therapeutic journey and I did a lot of these things. Some things that were important for me looking for a therapist was someone who had a wealth of experience doing different things. So not necessarily in their age, but having a wide range of things they've addressed. So I looked for a therapist who had experience treating or working with the things that i was concerned with yeah um something else that i think makes a good clinician is someone who's open and honest so someone that you can have a conversation with and most therapists to my understanding will have like a consultation call with you so that you can get to know each other you can have conversations about what it is that you're looking for. You can learn more about their practice as a clinician
1: mm-hmm. and
0: really give yourself some comfort in seeing if this person is honestly right for you without booking an appointment
1: site unseen. True. True. And, and you may be able to just add a little bit to that, find additional places that your counselor can be at. Uh, so, you know, a lot of times you may find that they got a YouTube channel where they're talking about different points uh, maybe they've written some articles. Maybe they've been featured on TV or radio. Um, maybe they have a bio on their website. All of those are resources for you to build a consensus. It's not going to be in, in everything, but it gives you a couple of points, a couple of variables. So you're able to go, okay, this is what they're going to look like. Here are some areas that they're competent in and so forth. Uh, and I agree. I think when we look for accounts, there are these differences that we we may find that are helpful to us. Um, I wanted to hit some general points. I do think it's important that when we're looking for a counselor, we are we're open to the process, and that that's it's often an important one that I think can be forgotten on how to take care of your mental health. The process means that during those first few sessions, in the clinical world, for us as counselors, that's called building rapport. Building rapport is just breaking bread, getting to know somebody. And when you're the client and you're trying to work on an issue, maybe anxiety, address your relationship, there could be an eagerness to want to solve things ASAP, which I get, completely get. So there, there may be times that you meet with your counselor and you're like, you know what, it's been two sessions, three sessions, and you know I haven't solved blank, blank, blank sometimes that's just part of the process where the counselor is still trying to get to know you. They have many questions. They're trying to observe your behaviors before throwing out direction or specific uh, shifts to make in your life.
0: Mm -hmm. And building rapport is more than just kind of like getting to know each other in a superficial sense.
1: Mm -hmm. That's
0: time that we as therapists are using to make sure that we can formulate the best treatment plan for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's going to be time to get to know more about how you talk to other people, how you work and how you think. Mm -hmm. And when we learn those things, we're better equipped to help you in the long run. And patience is a virtue. By God, it's a virtue in therapy. Mm
1: -hmm. Virtue. (laughs) For sure.
0: (laughs) it is not going to be resolved ASAP and you shouldn't want it to be resolved ASAP, especially because you deserve to take time to take care of yourself and to Mm -hmm. learn more about yourself. So, you know, take that time, be intentional about it.
1: Correct. Yeah. As you, as you're looking again, shopping for a good counselor, you know, something that sticks out to me is, and this is for me, like when I'm looking for a counselor, I try to find common ground. Also, try to find somebody that is willing to see me, speak to me, not so much in that clinical jargon. Um, but, you know, being able to sit there and go beyond. You know, I see that you're struggling with blank diagnosis. Here are interventions that can support you. Blank, 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 and all of that's extremely effective. And there's some clients that that's effective for, where they're coming in and it's very textbook. I know when I'm looking for a counselor, to me a good fit is this person's willing to go beyond those points. You know, we're ready to get into explain. You know, what exactly does anxiety mean? Uh, Maybe we're going to layers of vulnerability. Like I may get to know the counselor a little bit deeper than this is what they studied. You know, I I may want to know, oh, you're you're a parent too. Okay, cool. What's that like? And maybe they're sharing some of that with me. They're still boundaries but i do not feel that it's this uh old school freud if you will where i have no idea who this person is mm-hmm.
0: yeah you i'm i have so many thinky thoughts mm-hmm. about the process of finding a therapist and something i think both of us are really focused on in the middle of this conversation is, um, or rather, is that you have options, and you ultimately are in charge of who you choose to share yourself with. Therapy is vulnerable, messy work, and if you cannot trust the person you're doing that work with, that work is for naught.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Looking at that vulnerability, looking at that trust—you know, really, really highlighting that. There's a, there's a couple of elements that I think are, are important when you're looking for a good counselor. So, of course, you want the person to be educated, uh, specifically experienced and educated in what you've gone through. That's helpful. So, if, if there's, you know, trauma, maybe some abuse that you've went through in life, uh, physical, emotional, and so forth, you're looking for someone that has studied in that area. Uh, and, and you can call and ask that. You, know, you can share, hey, you know, I'm looking for someone that has a background in trauma. Um, I've ex- I've experienced uh, traumatic experiences in my life, and I really li- would like that fit. And that office is going to say yes, or they're going to say no, and hopefully lead you in the right direction.
0: Yeah. So that also leads to the question, Juan: What happens when it's not a good fit?
1: You know, that's a that's a really good question. Um, uh, when it's not a good fit, I think when it's not a good fit, this is just me really be, being very honest here and vulnerable as a counselor. There's times like so super vulnerable, like I will almost feel that, man, am I doing something wrong? like I should know this and I remember my my, my supervisor would tell me, you know you, you don't it's okay it's okay it's okay if you don't know everything. you know it's okay if somebody comes in and maybe they're struggling with a bipolar disorder it's an example and and you're like, you know what this is this is not a good fit. Like as a counselor, you feel like you're not equipped to support that person. That doesn't mean that you're stupid. It doesn't mean that you know, as a counselor, you're, you're you don't have. It doesn't mean any of those negatives. So it took me a while to get over that hump. Where now, when I work with a client and they come in their first session and they share something, I, I really try to value the importance of being honest and saying I don't have the skills that are going to take you to that place you want to get to, but I want to help. So I want to get on, I want to call other counselors for you. I want to find you somebody that can be a good fit. I think that's like that clinical perspective of what does your counselor go through. Um, And I'll let you jump in before I keep rambling on.
0: Now you're totally good. Um, You're right. As a therapist, it's kind of an ouchie when you know that you're not equipped. Uh, But also your therapist has your best interest at heart, hopefully like with an asterisk. Um, So yeah, they're going to want to help you get to the places you want to go, which means maybe sending you referrals, maybe suggesting other people. As the client, if your counselor's not a good fit, it is okay. It doesn't mean that you're a problem. It doesn't mean that you'll never get help. It just means that that one person of the billions of people on earth does not match up with the things that you need. Mm Mm-hmm. And it can be hard yeah. to keep that in mind.
1: Yeah, and it's okay, right? It's it's okay. Like we're not supposed to marry everyone out there. We're not supposed to date everyone out there, and 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 it's okay from that end. I think from the client end, um, it's important to know that it's going to happen. You know, it's bound to happen. Just like if you're dating someone, it's bound to happen that this may but not be the person you're going to end up with. It's, it's bound to happen. So acceptance. Becomes a part of that process. And a good counselor is going to work with you on that. Where um, something, again, this is from my end, different counselors have different approaches. In the beginning, I try to, with those that I work with, share with them that if at any point they disagree, they feel that it's not a good fit, um, any of those items they bring to the table. So there's that openness back and forth, and they're able to say, Hey, Dr. Santos, you know, you're full of shit. That makes no sense. Tell me that. You know, if that's yeah. if that's what needs to be said, let's have a conversation on it. Or, hey, Doctor Santos, you know, I feel like I'm not getting to that next step. I want to get to. Tell me that too. Um, I in no way want to be a barrier in anyone's life. You know, I want to be a nudge, a system of support.
0: I think that sort of confrontation makes people uncomfortable. Especially because mental health is not like any other medical field. You know, you're not going to argue with your doctor, your medical doctor, if you would, if you need antibiotics for an infection. You don't question it. And in terms of therapy, we encourage you to question, challenge, get involved. And that's really uncomfortable for a lot of people.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it
0: can sort of lead to this idea of like, oh, but I can't, you know. I already decided I'm going to go to this therapist, and it's okay if I don't like them because they know best. No, correct. You know best.
1: Yeah, and that's where you know, looking for what makes a good counselor, I think it's it's um it's someone that has that conversation with you. They're they're able to say, you can, you know, please, you know, approach me in that way. And there's um you know, you and I back and go back to school. That was a big item that they educate on, the power dynamic. So when you're working with a good counselor, you're able to feel that you're on common ground. You know, you're a person, I'm a person. So you're wanting to find a space. I find it's important to find a space that there's, you know, you, you don't feel that there's this person way above you, way superior.
0: Hmm. And uh, not only is it an ethical mandate for us to maintain understanding of the power dynamic therapy is a collaborative process and unless you have buy-in so unless you're invested in what's going on it's not going to be as helpful to you it's not going to serve you the same way
1: Mm -hmm. correct so
0: what that means is (laughs) being able to decide for yourself whether or not the person you're working with is going to do for you what you need them to do
1: exactly and, and let's kind of pull 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 into um, with the same conversation, you know, now that now that the person's like, okay, this is how I can start taking care of my mental health. Here's how to find a good counselor, what to look for, what happens if it's not a good fit? You know, the, the next one is when's the best time to look for a therapist? Quick side note, though, you and I are using the word therapist, counselor. I'm using it inter- interchangeable. So, you know, they... For now, I look at them as as the same. Just wanted to throw that out there for the listeners. What about you, JC?
0: Yeah, I use them interchangeably as well.
1: Okay. So if you're listening in, or as you're listening in, if you hear us say, counselor, therapist, um, know that we're highlighting the same mental health professional. Um, A little more to a side note. Let's go further to that side. There are distinctions. So you've got your... um, counselors like your mental health counselors you've got your social workers you've got your um, psychologists there's distinctions within each of the professions they're all in the realm of mental health however within each one there may be a specific uh, specialty or subcategory they go into such as as an example and all this you can you know hop on google and look up so social workers, typically in that category, there is a strength in the area of case management. Uh, collaborative work with other agents in the community to support the client. Psychologists, typically there is strength in the area of testing, assessments, such as um, if maybe you, you suspect that your child um, requires, let's say, an IEP or an, an, uh, an a testing for um, ADHD, you may go that route to a psychologist that has specific training in that area.
0: A psychiatrist, on the other hand, is going to be the medical professional that works in mental health specifically in terms of providing uh, medical assistance. So maybe medication management for symptoms of mental health. And usually see them in a more like I keep saying medical, but literally more medical settings, so something like a hospital or perhaps an outpatient office.
1: Yes. Yeah. And then let's, let's reel it back, get that fishing rod out. Real, real, real. When, <laughs> when's the best time to look for a therapist? I say on Wednesday. <laughs> <Just> on Wednesday <laughs> specifically?
0: <laughs> um, I say whenever because I think therapy is preventative. You don't have Mm -hmm. to wait until you're going through something to seek therapy. Um, It can be used for maintenance. So Mm -hmm. if you have a really high pressure job, even if you love your job and you don't have any trauma surrounding your job, um, it can be really helpful to say, it would be nice to have someone to talk to this about. Um, You don't have to be in the throes of the worst moments of your life to seek therapy. Mm.
1: That's, that's, that is T R U E. That is true. And you know, it's, it's interesting because, and I fall into this category. I think many of us, we wait till shit hits the brick. We wait till things aren't going well until we are like struggling with our relationship with our employer. Our relationships had not a day, but months and years of just conflict and cycles and then we're like, all right, that's the last straw. It's time to go see a therapist. And and I get, I get the aspect, right, of maybe we want to solve problems on our own. Maybe we think that it's not a big deal. I find that it's extremely helpful, like that preventative work. You know, just looking at yourself and saying, what are the things that I do to keep me thriving? You know, not surviving, thriving. And you can plug a counselor in there. You can plug this mental health professional right away. You, know, it does, you do not need to be in the trenches to plug this person in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think something uh, a lot of people think about therapy, you can only do it when things are falling apart, is like couples counseling. Mm-hmm. people always see couples counseling and they apply the stigma of oh you only do that if your marriage is failing or you only do that if your life isn't going well and that's not the truth premarital counseling is a thing it might not mm-hmm. necessarily be that something is wrong it's that you want to stop something from going wrong helping to be healthy communication um helping for you to understand each other better as partners before maybe you make higher commitments such as marriage or domestic partnerships, even before you move in
1: together. Yep. And, and just, just in general, I mean, if you're looking at when it's the best time to see a therapist, rephrase that and think about what is it that you're doing in your life right now? What goals do you have? What's on your bucket list? You know, what are your career goals, your um, personal goals? All, all of those, jot them down. And then ask yourself, wouldn't it be nice if someone stood next to you to support you, you know, as, as you lean into each of them. And a therapist can be plugged in there. There's times that I may work with an individual who's at a mid-level uh, area in their career, and they're wanting to take that step up to executive. So they're coming in to see a counselor. And then we work on character development. We work on discipline. Uh, we work on a lot of these skills that support them with that growth and employment. And as you mentioned, relationships. There's times that I have couples come in, and their relationship is very healthy. We evaluate and examine it, and then continue to plug in these uh, variables, these habits that allow their relationship to have the tools. So when when issues come up, they can handle them, and tools that keep them uh, thriving.
0: Which we honestly love to see. We That's like true. To see what type of dedication.
1: I love that. I love when I get to like, see you're here to get an email from a, a couple or a client. And they're like, "Hey, up Santos just want to tell you, you know, we just went on this trip or this went down. And I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. You know, it's such a nice ripple effect. Like when, when your life is just going in the right direction. Without a doubt, you are probably sharing that goodness with those around you. And that's, that's the ripple effect.
0: It's literally so fulfilling, not only for like you, know, you as the client to see how the fruits of your labor are paying off, but genuinely, your therapist is going to love that shit. <laughs> They're mm-hmm. going to love it so much. I get so much joy from seeing the good mm. that my clients are creating in their own life because of the help the two of us create together.
1: Oh, yeah. The happy dance inside. I'm like celebrating. Yes, yes, yes. And, and having
0: it the outside.
1: Like, and, you know, the, the opposite is true. Um, there's, you know, when, when things aren't going well for those that I serve, you know, the clients that I work with, um, it's, it's a pain, you know, a pain that you feel inside, like a part of you um, hurts. And I, I always find that good. Um, not good that hurt happens. I find it good that my heart feels that way. Like when I'm working with someone, and and maybe there's a, a difficulty in the parent child relationship, and and they're struggling. Um, that I'm like, okay, I, I'm invested. Like you know, outside of this being a job, I genuinely care for this person to 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 heal, to do well. And I think that's helped my work and my relationship with those that I work with. What do you think about that, JC?
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, there's a thin line become uh, between being overly invested mm-hmm. but there's always sort of a base level investment that we make as clinicians in our clients this is a helping profession this is a caring profession if we didn't care deeply for people generally we wouldn't be doing this job because this is like very much so a labor of love
1: hmm yeah. And
0: when you are service-minded or service-hearted, you really enjoy what you do. Like I enjoy what I do every day, every interaction that I have with Clarence. With Clarence, my <laughs> every yes, Clarence is a good man. I don't know who he is, but he's a good man. Somewhere um, out there.
1: somewhere out there. A listener's like, I'm, I'm for You, yes.
0: <laughs> but um, every interaction that I have with clients is very much so defined by my desire to help and it is a good thing to get a little tender with your clients it's a good thing to have that heart of investment because it's going to ensure that i do my very best to take care of my clients
1: mm, well said and and as, as you're looking at or as you're listening in right we started with the, the main topic how to start taking care of your mental health. And now you're looking at taking that first step. What to expect at that first appointment? Mm. Well,
0: in the counseling world, we love to use the word it depends. That's true. Because it does depend. Um, But typically, once you're set up with your appointment, you may receive something called intake documentation. And that intake documentation is going to include some forms, maybe about insurance, about payment. And then a questionnaire of some sort. Some therapist offices will have you take short form assessments. So maybe like a DAS 21, which is a depression, anxiety, and stress scale, mm-hmm. or some other type of yeah, short form assessment. Yeah. Once you take that, you'll answer some questions about what brings you to therapy, what you're interested in doing. And in your first session, you'll typically review. paperwork with your therapist and come up with sort of like a plan of attack
1: i like that yeah that's that 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 sums it up um i i do think it's important to consider what to expect in the first appointment you know a it's going to really depend on where you're going um people are different i mean you see that when you go outside you know some like to wear shorts during the winter hey Mm -hmm. people are different so when you go see a counselor that's mental health professional. You may notice a huge difference between one provider and another. So just being open to that, open to those differences, all the way from style to the attire, um, to what the office looks like, the lighting, the uh, feel of the room and so forth. The logistics of it, you know, as you mentioned, you have the intake, you got all these intro documents that you would fill out in any kind of medical office, goes over HIPAA, all those type of documents. You got some core ones that go into what brings you in. Um, in the counseling world, they call that you're presenting concerns. So if I'm going in there for anxiety, I'm jotting down in those documents anxiety, and I'm writing what kind of anxiety I'm experiencing. All these documents go to your therapist, so they're able to better, better help you during that um, first session, have an idea of what to expect as well. During the first session, you've got this roughly an hour And during this time, it could feel rushed or it could sometimes feel like it takes a while. It may just depend on your own feel of it. Part of it is the documents, so logistics. Another part of it is the counselor maybe breaking down um, a little bit of their background so that you're able to have that education. Part of it is you sharing what brings you in. Part of it is going into what's called a treatment plan. That's probably exactly what you're thinking. It's focused on what brings you in, and then, as JC mentioned, what are what's the action plan? What are the next steps that are going to get you from A to B? And and that's the core of it. There, you may at the end have a little work to do, aka some homework. What do you what do you think, JC? Did we leave anything out there from the first appointment?
0: Um, not anything that I can think of. Um, I think the part about like everyone is different is really important. Um, especially if you're going into maybe your second or third mental health experience.
1: Um, it's a good word. You
0: know, again, everybody's different. So if you had a therapist when you were a child and their office was very geared towards children, so maybe brighter colors, maybe softer seating, maybe like uh, coloring books, et cetera, and so forth, you might not be expecting that mm-hmm. in your next, you know, foray. Into mental health care as an adult. However, there are absolutely other adult clinicians who are like, hey, do you want to color? Yeah. <laughs> While we're doing this session, it's me. I'm the coloring one. <laughs> um, but yeah, keeping all of those things in mind, I think you covered it all.
1: Nice. And then, you know, we um, we end our episodes, right? We end our episodes with a personal growth challenge our yeah our hope is that a you're finding each episode helpful inviting warm you know good spot to spend some time with us at. And second you' you're putting these actions into play while acknowledging that we are real therapists but not your therapist.
0: Not your therapist. Sorry buddy so
1: what is your uh, personal growth challenge for this episode?
0: My personal growth challenge has to do with introspection. So Juan, you had mentioned earlier talking about how uh, therapy can help elevate your goals Mm -hmm. and it can help you get to the next level, the next spaces in your life. And so my personal growth challenge is for you to pick three to five goals and then pick three points under each goal of what you need to succeed as an example, maybe your goal is to have a bigger garden this year. So what do you need? Do you Mm. need help planting? Do you need to go to Home Depot and buy more stuff? Do you need to find the space for all these plants? Make some small goals for yourself and lay them out and see who you can incorporate to help you with those goals.
1: I like that. I like that very much. See, last episode, the personal growth that I gave you, awesome listeners, was focused on connecting with somebody in your life and sharing this podcast and and using that as accountability, you know, letting them know, hey, I'm listening to this podcast and it's a space of growth, of healing, of moving forward. So so hopefully every so often they check up on you and say, hey, how's it going with that space of healing, growth and, and moving forward? And then you can keep up the good work. For today, uh, the per- a personal growth challenge I'd like for you to focus on is self-love. Uh, and and this one, something that had an elementary school teacher who would have us do this exercise. And as a kid, I probably did what most kids think, probably giggled and uh, <laughs> didn't take it too serious. But as an adult, this shit's real, <laughs> it works. Um, what you do, is most of us are familiar with how to give ourselves a hug, like a self-hug. You just wrap your arms around you and hold that for 15 seconds. And that's it. One time a day, 15 seconds. It it may not feel like too much, but what, what happens over time is, you know, you're taking care of yourself. You start to feel aspects of yourself that maybe you just didn't have that awareness for, or you weren't tapping into, you start to notice your heart rate, your breathing, it builds a nice connection between you, your body, yourself. And later down the road, as your day goes on, you'll notice a couple of things, you'll notice that maybe you want to do that again. Um, You'll notice a sense of calmness, a decrease in stress. So that's, that's what I'd like for you to try out for, um, for today. And so forth, you know. Keep that going. Plug into uh, our next episode. We'll, we'll give you another challenge. What do we have in next episode, JC?
0: Um, first of all, love the somatics. We love a good self hug. Number one, number two, our next episode is going to lead into that mind, body, soul. We're going to talk about self care outside of therapy. So, what do you do to keep mind sharp? What do you do to maintain your body? And how do you take care of that sort of nebulous idea of the soul?
1: Mm, I'm ready for that one. That's up my alley. Mind, body, soul. Sounds like a movie. But it is. Sounds like (laughs)
0: an R&B song. It does sound like
1: like an R&B song. But it'll it'll be uh, The Couch. The Couch episode number three. So that's that's, that's what it's going to be. Decently close to R&B.
0: Yeah, we got it. I'll be waiting for your verse. You can rap.
1: Oh, you ready for that? I'm about to, I'm about to be like a, what's that, Dave Chappelle where he's spitting that hot fire.
0: Not Dylon, that, oh, sir.
1: Yes, five times. Best rapper.
0: Dylon, 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 <laughs> Dylon. That's me. Uh, do not quit your day job, sir.
1: Hey, that you're, you're, you're a counselor. You're supposed to be motivating me.
0: You know, I'm um, also supposed to challenge you.
1: That's true. So I can be the sixth time best rapper. <laughs>
0: sure. <laughs> sure. Uh,
1: all right, friends. It's been real. It's been um, it's been wonderful to share this space with you.
0: It always is. Thank you guys so much for joining us on the couch, and we'll see you next time.
1: See you next time.